2: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Oh my God! You know what I hate more than anything right now, or everything specifically, <laughs> um, traveling. I oh. am literally going somewhere in the next week or so, and uh-huh. I woke up in a frantic this morning. Like, I was like, I have not prepared to do anything. I'm gonna be going to be gone for a week, and I have been lollygagging, thinking like, oh, I have all the time in the world when September is literally knocking at our front door right now.
2: True. However, I think you're probably one of the only people who are thinking about packing a week before. Most people, by the way... And I would say like me, I'm last minute to the point where I've woken up at 2 a.m. for like an 8 a.m. and packed at 2 a.m.
3: I don't think you should brag about that. (laughs) That's nothing to be excited. It or makes happy me bring over. way too much clothes. That sounds awful, <laughs> and that sounds like dysfunction. Like if you look in the dictionary, that is what it says right by it. And for me, yeah. I don't play those games. I'm a single mother. Okay. I have a dog that I have to find somewhere to go. I have to make sure she's situated. I have to get her groomed the day before I'm leaving. I have to still find something to wear from where I'm going. There's just no time, and I need the clock. To slow it down so altogether what, in just general. What are you going to do? It's the end of the year. I, it's, it's
2: almost it's uh, Halloween, than Christmas, basically.
3: It's too much happening. And for me, I just don't know how to breathe through it um, because I have no time. I literally have no time.
2: It's awful. Okay, so what's the solution?
3: I don't know. Come on here and complain to you all. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a fabulous Step solution. one,
2: complain. <laughs> Step two, see if other people will complain about my complaining. No, Step fa- three. The
3: fact that we have this job is so people have to listen to us bit. <laughs> That's exactly. They have no other choice.
2: And then we get therapists on to help us all. I mean, us, actually, with our problems. That's it's how more it works. So us.
3: We don't want to pay for it. So.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, I wish you luck with your packing. I know you'll figure it out.
3: It's going to be awful.
2: <laughs> oh, well, coming up on the show, we've got special guests ending the week with a bang. David Archuleta joining us at 4.35 p.m. Pacific, 7.35 p.m. Eastern. He's got new music, and he's now in the community. So, cool.
3: Congratulations. He's always been a part of the community, it's officially. Just publicly.
2: Uh, plus, Kanye's album release party went down last night, and it was interesting to say the least. Ryan's got the recap in a moment in the T Report. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Joe Biden was warned today by members of his national security team that another terror attack in Kabul is likely. The warning came one day after a suicide bomber outside the city's airport killed at least 113 people, including 13 U.S. service members. And this uh, is according to commanders that told Biden this. The next few days of his mission... Uh, will be the most dangerous period to date. It's very scary. Meanwhile, stateside, the Biden administration has set up a mass COVID vaccination site for the thousands of Afghan evacuees arriving at Doulas International Airport in Washington. Evacuees are tested once they arrive at the airport, and those who test negative are transported to the Expo Center, where they are offered the one-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And, of course, we'll be talking more about what's happening happening in Afghanistan in a moment uh, with Politico. So stick around for that. Uh, but before we get into the tea, a Virginia school board has reached a settlement with Gavin Grimm, a transgender man who sued the board after the school officials did not allow him to use the bathroom that corresponds with his gender identity. The Gloucester C- County school board, uh, school board agreed to pay $1.3 million in attorney fees and costs in the settlement. So congrats to Grimm on winning that much deserved. In t- 2014, Grimm was allegedly told by the school board that he could not use a bathroom designated for boys. The school board later allowed him to use his own bathroom because of backlash from parents uh, upset with the school's decision. And he basically fought six years for this, six years of his life. But finally, it now has a resolution and he won. So that's amazing. And uh, that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Oh, God, I'm so over Kanye West. No album, album release parties. This latest one was absolutely stupid. It is time for the T-Reports, those pop culture stories, trending right now. So, so many things happened at the latest Donda listening party. From Kanye West setting himself on fire. Yes, that happened. Okay. To either recreating their wedding or possibly remarrying Kim Kardashian again. One moment is standing out the most He brought out two controversial guests, DaBaby and Marilyn Manson. Um, when he bought out Marilyn Manson, who earlier this year was dropped by his label and canceled by the rest of the music industry after a number of women accused him of physically, mentally, and sexually abusing them. Um, he also bought out the uh, DaBaby, whose homophobic rant at July's Rolling Loud in Miami has led to him being dropped from all these other festivals. Also, he showed up appearing to have replaced Jay-Z's verse on a track that was previously heard at the first listening party. So, not really sure what Kanye West is doing here um, because it's it, it's just like whatever he thinks he's doing, he's truly not. It's, it's really weird, um, especially if you're naming this after your mom, this album after your mom, and then you're bringing over to kind of misogynistic, abusive people to kind of be a part of this said project that's supposed to be this, like, love letter to your mom. It's just, like, it's it's very weird. But at this point, it's hard to know if Kanye's album will ever come out or if these stadium-sized listing parties are just a way for him to rake in some big bucks um, from fans in the meantime. So, who knows? It's a it lot. is wild. Lots
2: to wrap our minds around. I mean, it seems like he was trying to make a statement on cancel culture with that and, like, giving someone a space to like to create conversation. I, don't, I didn't ask but... for
3: us to explain it. I don't <laughs> care for the explanation. I genuinely don't. Oh. Um, outside of the tea report I have to tell you about a giveaway that we're doing as we wrap up here. Channel Q is going to send you to Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency and how it's returning to the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the Park MGM Hotel round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in cash. Mm. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for all of the tea because I'm done spilling.
2: Well, next up, more on ISIS-K, the group behind the Kabul airport attack with Politico. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. After yesterday's bombings outside Kabul airport, a group called ISIS-K issued a statement claiming responsibility for the suicide bombing attack that killed 13 U.S. service members and dozens of Afghans. Anita Kumar joins us right now, White House correspondent and associate editor at Politico. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So we all know about ISIS. We've heard about it over many years. But what is ISIS-K?
4: Yeah, I think a lot of Americans haven't really heard of that uh, before. ISIS-K is sort of an Afghan offshoot of the Islamic State, the terror group that you're referencing. Um, what What is interesting about this is, you know, we've been hearing about what's been going on in Afghanistan with the Taliban. The Taliban and ISIS-K are actually enemies. They're not working together. So this is actually another group that uh, claimed responsibility for the bombing and, of course, uh, you know, the United States is also dealing with the Taliban in Afghanistan. So there's two groups now uh, that the United States is having to deal with.
3: Wow. I mean, U.S. officials, it seemed like they were actually worried even before the Taliban's takeover about ISIS-K's role in all of this kind of transition. Can you talk a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, that's right. I mean, U.S. intelligence officials have been hearing and 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 listening to, you know, information about ISIS-K and talking about it. What's interesting is right before this happened, the U.S. had been hearing uh, some intelligence that something might be up, that something might happen, but they didn't know enough information about it. And of course, we saw what happened. Uh, The United States, the White House is also saying that they're hearing and they're worried about additional, uh, you know, bombings or other things happening in the coming days. And they're very concerned about that before the United States Tuesday withdrawal.
2: Well, this seems like a mess, a complete and utter mess beyond even the mess that we thought it was.
4: Yeah, there's it's it's so many different parts at the same time. Right. So there's these two groups that we are worried about. There's uh, the United States, the troops leaving. There's the evacuation of both Americans and Afghans. I mean, it's It's various things happening at the at the same time, and all of them seem to have problems.
3: Well, let's talk about how the Biden administration is kind of handling this, because I know it's they're dealing with this situation. And now Republicans criticizing Biden over this entire situation, saying that he has blood on his hands. What what does he do at this point? Because it feels like he's just backed into a corner and just kind of watching all of this play out.
4: Yeah, I mean, this really just goes back to his decision, you know, early on. I mean, even before he was president, he was talking about even when he was vice president, about how he wanted to get the United States out of Afghanistan. And he was very, very uh, adamant when he came into office as president that this was something he was going to do. And so, you know, uh, uh, the White House says, well, you can't second guess and you don't know what would have happened. But there are some reasons to believe that some of these things came about because of the decision, obviously, of the president to leave or have the troops leave. So, uh, you know, a lot of things came about because of that decision. But now, what you're hearing mostly from Republicans and even some Democrats in Congress is okay, here's where we are. Here's what the situation is. This is even before the bombing. Uh, We just simply can't get enough people out before this deadline that President Biden set, and that's Tuesday, August. 31st, so just a few days from now, and they are asking him, pushing him, begging him, really, to extend that deadline to not say that troops will be out on the 31st, to continue to try to evacuate people, and he's been very adamant. He is not going to budge, or he says he's not going to budge, and that he feels like Tuesday should be the deadline, and and the United States should leave. And so we're going to see in a couple of days what happens with that. Does it get worse? Uh, you know, are Americans left behind? Are Afghan? Uh, allies left behind we just don't know what that's going to look like
2: well, yeah it's, it's also easier said than done with obviously he knows the, t- the Taliban has a certain plan here and I think that everyone's against a wall and I the worry is is would this instigate the U.S. to go back in and fight back does it get us into another war almost if Americans lives are being put at harm
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a really great question and something that a lot of people asked have been asking the White House about the last day or so. And what they say and what the president says is that that he has really vowed to make ISIS-K and the people that are responsible pay for the attacks um, this week and that whatever happens, he will uh, hunt them down. And and I think that the press secretary, Jen Psaki, today said kill them. So he says that he will do that. But what they're saying is, look, that doesn't mean we're going to go back into Afghanistan with troops and uh, have a whole contingent there. That is not what they're talking about. They are talking about retribution for the attack, but that they will not stay in Afghanistan. The president has uh, made up his mind, given the order, and the United States will leave.
2: Okay, well, that was Anita Kumar, White House correspondent and associate editor at Politico. Thanks so much. Sure, thank you. Next up, there's been a lot of confusion around booster shots, so we are breaking down what you need to know next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There's already confusion around vaccines. Add booster shots to the mix, and I'm imagining we're in for a ton more. Kavita Patel joins us right now, a primary care physician and a non-residence fellow at the Brookings Institution. Also, by the way, just to give another shout out, she was the director of policy for the Office of Intergovernmental Affairs and Public Engagement in the Obama administration. Kavita, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Shira, for having me. Well, what's the strategy here around the implementation of booster shots? If already we can't figure <laughs> out vaccines? Yeah, well, they, you're asking the exact
5: questions that um, thousands of us who actually give vaccines every day are asking on a daily basis. And today, uh, President Biden, as you may have heard or covered, um, actually floated five months, which caught, again, some of us by surprise. So we have not heard uh directly from either the federal government uh, or the state government or even Pfizer or Moderna, any manufacturers about what a strategy might be. But we're already trying to plan to think through, you know, we want enough vaccines to make sure that people get their first doses. Like that's the highest priority. And then we want to have people who come forward, not feel like they're declined because we just don't have enough supply. And when we break open a vial I don't want those precious doses to go to waste. That's the other thing. I don't want to throw them away. And that could happen if we don't plan accordingly.
3: Yeah. It seems like this is just going to get messier before it gets just clear. Um, I, I do wonder are you worried about the idea of some people just thinking, oh, well, I'll just get a booster shot instead of getting the actual doses that they need? Like, they'll just get a booster shot of whatever, and they'll be like, oh, well, I'm vaccinated at this point.
5: Yeah, it's a great concern. I've already had people who said, I mean, if why, if we're already doing boosters, to your point, why bother getting the first two? So a couple of facts just for every listener to know. The boosters are not some secret formula. It's the exact same shots. That you got first time and second time around so if you only get the booster you are still not fully immunized and i think we have to drive that home but it, wow. it you, you can see why it's confusing just the name booster i would think that it's something different and special most people would also but it's the exact same shot you had in your arm first or second. I mean, I yeah. would think
3: it was like the Hulk version of a shot. <laughs> yeah, Like, to shoot me up with the boost. Like a steroid version of a <laughs> Literally. shot. Yeah, I mean,
2: the, the marketing around it definitely needs to be figured out. And it basically just is more antibodies, right, to fight it off. Does that mean we need to do this every six months? Yeah, it's a
5: great question. Look, I, I worry that as long as we have these variants, none of us, myself included could have predicted Delta, right? None of us. And, and yet, at the same time, We should know better. We should know that if we don't vaccinate the world, but this, you know, I'll mention about in a minute why that's important, then we'll have variants. And if we have variants, we might continue to need these boosters. But to make things even more confusing, the manufacturers are also working on the incredible Hulk version of their shots to be tailored for these newer variants. And many of us are trying to figure out, like, well, will those great new shots be available in this year next yeah. year and so you can see why everybody including those of us who actually vaccinate on a daily basis are
6: confused
3: and how are we keeping track of like kind of like the vaccine and the amount of people who are getting them across the country is i know there's like some type of system but it seems like some states especially if you live in a red state who where the vaccination rate is very low i could imagine they're not actually inputting any data <laughs> that could be helpful yeah,
6: well.
5: Well, you're both. So you could work in public health today. You're, you're absolutely right. You got Actually, a job, it's Ryan. It's, it's, it's even worse than you could imagine because every state is doing something different. And to your point, you know, red states and states that do not prioritize this whatsoever are doing even worse. But every state has their own basically kind of system, and it doesn't necessarily speak to any other systems So I go back. It's what I wrote about. I go back to relying on a paper card that doesn't even fit in your wallet and (laughs) someone's memory. And with something so important, like a global pandemic, how can I how is it possible that I can know what you ordered on Amazon two years ago? But I can't tell you what day you got vaccinated. That's where we're at.
2: Yeah. So what if people who got the shots don't go back for boosters? Does it bring us back again
5: Yeah, great. So
2: what I suspect
5: we will see based on experiences in Israel and data we're getting from around the world, including the United States, is that we'll probably see in older people who are older where their immunity decreases over time, we'll probably see increased breakthrough infections and hospitalizations. And that could be the kind of signal that, yes, indeed, to your question, we really do need boosters on a, you know, every six month basis. But that's what we need to watch out for. But we don't even really do enough testing or reporting on those infections to know when we're in trouble.
3: I would love to know your take. You know, we've been talking about it here on the show this week where we're starting to see physicians across the country kind of take their own stand of saying we may not be able to help unvaccinated folks because it's putting so many people at risk. I would love to know, like with your experience and you being a primary care physician, what are your thoughts about that?
7: Yeah, so
5: look, I'm going to give you, I work in a population that has been, I I work in a a brown and black population that has been discriminated against. You are speaking truth for an incredible audience that has been discriminated against and marginalized. So I want to make sure that the people I'm seeing that are unvaccinated haven't been the unfortunate kind of effects of that discrimination. But we're working hard to make sure. So I don't personally want to see a future and I would not walk out or not treat someone who's unvaccinated. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think the day is here today where we will have stiffer financial penalties. That person will have to pay more out of pocket and it will be harder for that person to access some of the important follow-up because they will it's going to be harder in general for insurance companies etc. So I but I really get nervous when doctors say that because mm-hmm. I know too many people who have just been the unfortunate kind of product of like a very racist society yeah. and our healthcare system is racist as well you know exactly. and and Anyway, so I, I, I really appreciate you bringing up that question, but I want people to pause and think about the implications. But I hear the frustration.
2: Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Well, uh, that was Kavita Patel, a primary care physician, non-resident fellow at the Brookings Institution. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Ryan. Thanks of for course. having me. Next up, being banned from high school for not wearing a mask. Is this going too far? We debate that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Should students be banned from school for not wearing masks? Well, this one story does have a twist, okay? So the father of two high school students in California says his children are being discriminated against because of their religious beliefs after they refused to wear masks on the first day of school. And now they're banned from campus. Good! And so to be clear, if you're wondering, like, who put out the story, yes, it could be that, you know, the news has a way of finding these stories. But it seems like because the reporter of this on uh, Yahoo.com tried to get in touch with the school, haven't heard necessarily comment back. So it seems like the dad put this out to the media, right? And then they kind of went into the story and realized, well, they're not really banned. They are just kind of they need to do uh, school from home, right? They can't be around other people if you're not going to follow the rules to keep other people safe then you can't be there in person right uh so his kids who are 17 and 16 were sent home okay uh and if they try to go back they will be charged with trespassing Good. this is pretty serious yes of
3: um, course we're in the and, pandemic yes. and then
2: he uh, said this excuse the bible says we're made in the image of god and satan try <laughs> and satan tries to cover that up a mask is a sign of oppression If it was Muslim, Jewish or something of a more high profile minority religion in this country, they would have accommodated just to say they weren't being discriminated based on that religion. But they say they feel safe because it's Christianity. And by the way, as we know, uh, masks or a refusal to wear a mask is not part of the Christian faith. So is this fair? Are we okay with this? At LGT shows where you can find us on social media. We'll be hearing more of these types of stories. But stop blaming on religion and stop saying it's discrimination. Look up discrimination. Google that. Go back to school. Next up, a transgender student bathroom case could make its way back to the Supreme Court. More details next on which. Let's go there with with Shira Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great Friday. And coming up, why you can't blame your slowing metabolism... On your age anymore. This is something that a lot of people do as they get older, but scientists are saying it doesn't make sense. We'll tell you why in 15 minutes. Plus, Camila Cabello responds to engagement rumors. That's in the T report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. In a one on one interview with NBC News, Rudy Giuliani went off on the media for ruining his reputation and responded to a question about a possible drinking problem. Have you ever struggled with alcohol? Never at all. Never at all. Were you drunk during those interviews when they said you were? Absolutely not.
7: I I don't think I've ever done an
6: interview drunk. I I have uh, sometimes. I mean, I drink normally. I like scotch. I drink scotch.
2: So you do not believe that you have a drinking problem?
6: I know. I don't don't believe it. I know I'm not. I mean, I... I, No, I'm not (laughs) alcohol. I'm a functioning... I'm probably... Probably function more effectively than 90% of the population.
3: No one ruined <laughs> Rudy Giuliani's reputation other than Rudy Giuliani. Let's be honest.
2: Yeah, at a certain point, he needs to take responsibility. But I would love a T-shirt that says, "I probably function more effectively than 90% of the population."
3: That's a long T-shirt.
2: Uh, something. Our
3: crowded T-shirt.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just think that's the most like epic quote ever. Well, uh, on Friday, a judge ruled that Governor Ron DeSantis' ban on school mask mandates was not lawful. So the uh, court judge decision came after a three-day hearing of at least 10 Florida school boards who voted to defy DeSantis and impose mask requirements with no parental opt-out. Parents also sued the governor. I mean, everyone at this point is just hating on this person, except, I guess, his few fans. Um, They sued the governor over the order banning school districts from requiring masks. Lawyers for the parents claimed the action is unconstitutional, takes power from local school boards, and that it's just unsafe. The governor says, though, that the order protects parents' choice and that there's no good data showing that masks are effective. Uh, DeSantis's office slammed the decision, saying, "...it's not surprising that the judge would rule against parents' rights and their ability to make the best educational and medical decisions for their family, but instead rule in favor of elected politicians." So you're saying it's going against the parents' rights, but yes, parents are suing you because they don't agree with what you're saying. Wow, this is a time warp. I don't even know where we are in the world right now. Uh, But there is some good news. Last year, a three-judge panel for the 11th Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals ruled in favor of Andrew Adams, a transgender student in Ponte Vedra, Florida, who sued his school district in 2017 over a policy that barred him from using the bathroom of his gender identity. And now a federal appeals court this week actually ruled in favor of the student and his right to use the bathroom of his gender identity at school. Experts say that that move could lead the Supreme Court to take up the issue sometime soon, which is huge. As we mentioned, Gavin Grimm, who won this lawsuit, he he was not taken up by the Supreme Court. So if the Supreme Court takes up this decision, it could be a historic case. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Okay, so our Camila Cabello and Shawn Mendes engaged? She's finally mm. speaking out about it. It's time for the T Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So... You know, I had no clue that this was even on the rumor mill. Um, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy that Jimmy Fallon bought this up to everyone's attention um, because Camilla has brought it honestly on herself when she posted a dancing TikTok video where she was clearly wearing a ring on her engagement finger. And yet, followers were like, um, we haven't heard from you, Arshon. So what's going on here? There's no sign of an engagement announcement. So here she is talking about the moment. You already know what I'm going to ask. Oh, Did I know Sean what
2: you're Mendez asked
3: ask you to marry him.
2: Um, he has not and I am not engaged. I actually I just don't I still I I swear to god I don't know what hand the engagement ring goes on. So sometimes I'll just like put it on my ring finger and I mean, I'd actually like you to enlighten me. Which hand is the engagement hand? Cuz the- I don't know. My parents are my parents are married and they both lost their rings. Um, and so, I, like, literally,
3: like, my mom couldn't tell me either.
7: It was all bull
3: Yeah, seriously, I don't believe a word she's said. Really? Saying. Um, I don't know if they are engaged, but the idea of her saying that she doesn't know which finger her ring finger is on, I feel like everyone knows that, right? I didn't for many years, actually. Really? Like, I would
2: put... I would, or I would see uh, the ring on someone else and be like, "Oh, are you engaged?" And they're like, "No, it's the wrong finger, Shira." Which
3: honestly, can we like reclaim back that finger and just be able to wear jewelry on every finger? Come on, what's why is it matter? Three fingers. I'm just like, just reclaim that finger's time. Um, that's your T-Reports. I got something else, though, for you really quickly. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com because did y'all know Lady Gaga's jazz and piano Las Vegas residency return to the park MGM October 14th through the 31st. And Channel Q is going to send you. Just go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the park MGM hotel, round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending cash. I mean, honestly, if you don't want to spend it there, you should like maybe pay off a bill or something. Like, I would do that. <laughs> Be I would practical. Like, pocket the money. Um, now, don't miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows live in Las Vegas. Tickets go on sale Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific at ticketmaster.com. So just head over there to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win.
2: Uh, Well, next up, sorry, you can't blame age for your slowing metabolism. What scientists have to say about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, this news may burst your bubble, but researchers who conducted a study recently published in Science have new and surprising insights into how metabolism actually works as we age and here to share more is Herman Ponzer, author of the book *Burn on Human Metabolism* and professor at Duke University. Thanks for joining us today.
6: Glad to be here.
2: So, can you explain what exactly we've discovered and why is it taken so long?
6: Yeah, well, this is the first really clear roadmap we have of how your metabolism works from, you know, from birth till up into your 90s. And um, the reason it took so long to get is that uh, the technique we use to really measure how many calories you burn every day um, I, we haven't really had good techniques to do that until sort of the 1980s 1990s and it's taken a long time to gather enough data to put together this really complete roadmap of, of for you know for all of people all of humans from birth till their 90s so it's, it's taken a while to put together but now we finally have it
3: okay so talk to us about I guess the debunking of what everyone thinks about their metabolism because right. it seems like what we've been told is all lies
6: well, yeah, I mean, so look, we, we knew a couple things going in. We knew that bigger people would burn more calories just because there's more of you, right? So if you all your cells at work all day doing all the jobs they do, that's your metabolism. That's how that's how your body burns energy. Is all your cells at work? If there's more of you, you're going to burn more. You're going to burn more energy. you are going to burn more calories. Um, so with this really big data set, we could ask, okay, after we account for size, take the size effect away, um, how does age? affect how many calories you burn every day and that was really surprising because we saw first of all children have super fast metabolisms their cells are really busy Mm -hmm. all day Um, and then that kind of like calms down basically and, and hits a sort of adult level by the age of 20 and then from 20 to 60 years old we see no difference in age no effective age we see no difference between men and women um your metabolism is really stable and you know sort of pound for pound, after we count for size, there's no difference between uh, males and females. And then after 60, though, you you start to decline. Your cells kind of slow down. But, But that was a surprise because we thought we would see a sex effect. We thought we would see maybe a menopause effect. We thought we'd see a puberty effect. We didn't see any of those things.
2: Whoa. So what does that mean? Why do people have this idea that their metabolism slows down, they get bigger with age? Right,
6: right. Well, metabolism, I think, metabolism has been this really easy thing to blame, right, because people have a really, you know, because there hasn't been great measurements of it, right, it becomes this really sort of black box sort of thing where you can just blame everything on your metabolism. Um, I'm in my 40s, you know, I don't feel the same way that I did when I was in my 20s, so I have that feeling, too, that my body's changing. Yeah. Um, And you you blame it on your metabolism, but actually that's not what it is. There's so many other things changing that we we don't want to, either we don't sort of know about or we don't. Want to acknowledge? Who know I don't know, but um, it must be those changes that are that are really changing the way our bodies feel, not how many calories you're burning.
3: So, what about the moments where we're told that we can like boost our metabolism? Right? Like,
0: does yeah. that even
3: happen? That, that's real.
2: <laughs> that what you, sure. you cut out? That,
6: I'm sorry that yeah, the, the boosting your metabolism is kind of uh, that's a bogus idea. Um, we've this this I, this data kind of shows that. Um, We've actually known that for a while now that's kind of been building evidence, you know, the idea that hot peppers or ice water or sleeping with your air conditioning set lower, all these things are going to boost your metabolism. Even exercise doesn't have a really big durable effect on on your metabolism, your body kind of adjusts. And so um, I think this this data set here that we have that we published in this this last study, just just more evidence that your body, you know, the the calories it burns every day, that's kind of programmed. It's really hard to budge that very much. So rather than trying to boost our metabolism <laughs> and worrying about the energy we burn, we should be worried about the calories that we're eating oh. um, on that side of the, the, the equation.
3: So where were people getting that then? Like, I, is it because past studies? Like, I, obviously, you know, when you were, were able to do these studies, like, you know, technology increases and you were able to have kind mm-hmm. of more data. But I, I just wonder why past studies showed kind of one thing and now we're seeing a completely different thing. Or maybe this was <laughs> always the truth.
6: Well, you know, so I think the past studies would show people gaining weight in their middle age, or they would show people, you know, changing the way they 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 report how much they eat or whatever in the middle. I, I actually don't really know because we didn't really have good data on this. So the the conventional wisdom out there that all these things are changing, your metabolism is changing in these ways, is really based. On on not much, and so these uh, these are really crucial data to have because these are the first good roadmap we have of how this really works.
2: So possibly we're lazier. Possibly as you get older, you're eating more, better. I don't know. Like yeah, what you're, is stressed going on? More, you're, oh, you're stressed last. out more. Oh, you're stressed less.
6: Okay. You know horm- <laughs> hormones do change. So so hormones, for example, testosterone yeah. uh, testosterone in both men and women it peaks in your twenties and slowly comes down um, through middle age, and testosterone is one of those is one example of a hormone that makes it, it affects mood. it affects how much energy you feel like you have. It affects where you put the extra calories. Do you put them uh, as, you know as, as abdominal fat, or do you put them somewhere else? So that's just one example. There's lots of things that change over the course of our life that we end up blaming you know as those changes happen. We blame metabolism, but it's not. It, it's something
2: else. What do we do now? All right, finally, 30 seconds. So knowing all this, yeah. if you're feeling like you're gaining weight as you got older, what are you supposed to do? Yeah.
6: Okay. Diet and exercise are two different tools with two different jobs. If you want to focus on weight, you gotta focus on diet. And you need to find a diet that works for you, and that might be low carb, it might be vegetarian. Different things work for different people, but the diet that works is the one that gets you eating fewer calories and still feeling pretty full and happy. Exercise is a different tool for a different set of jobs. Exercise isn't really about weight, it's about all the other stuff. It's about aging well and keeping your heart healthy and keeping your brain sharp and keeping your immune system good. So exercise is super critical for health and aging well and living well, and and it's good for mood, but it's not a great uh, tool for weight. So if you can kind of keep that in mind, diet for weight, exercise for everything else, you're halfway there, probably more than halfway there.
2: All right. Well, Herman Ponzer is the author of the book Burn on Human Metabolism and professor at Duke University. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Coming up on the show, we got special guest musician David Archuleta joining us in 30 minutes. Of course, you might know him from American Idol way back in the day. Well, he has new music. He's talking about his sexuality and spirituality. And he's with us on the show. So stick around for that on this lovely Friday. First, let's get into some What's Trending This Hour. August will now be known as Transgender History Month in San Francisco Which will recognize the work still remaining To achieve trans equality This past week, San Francisco Mayor London Breed Signed a proclamation Officially recognizing the the tradition As she stood alongside trans pioneers Politicians and LGBTQ activists The month is going to Honor the braveness of those advocating for Trans rights as well as the Vibrancy of trans culture Uh, This is what Breed said People like to give government credit for all these Gains but I gotta tell you It's women like this who are the reason why we've been able to Launch extraordinary programs And so they're also going to be The first American city to do this So hopefully there'll be more to come Now, federal health officials are warning of a rise in fake COVID-19 vaccination cards. The Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General told ABC News that they are receiving increasing reports of individuals creating, purchasing and using fake COVID-19 vaccine cards. And they are warning that these fake cards can leave your personal identity vulnerable and obviously threaten our fight against the virus. So be careful out there. Now, T-Mobile CEO Mike Sievert today announced that the hacker behind the recent breach of the company that compromised the information of around 50 million individuals has used, quote, brute force in the attack and apologized for the impact of the breach. The apology made in a statement published today came a week after they announced the data of current former and prospective customers had been compromised, including customer names, dates of birth, social security numbers and driver's license information. So if that's you, sorry, you might want to check out to make sure that you were not impacted. But that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Okay, so Amanda Kloots, if you watch the talk, then you know who she is by name. Um, But her actually, if you really know her, unfortunately, in the height of coronavirus last year, her husband and Broadway star Nick Cadero, he ended up dying. And she's actually speaking out about the term widow. Um, and how she kinda has rejected it. It's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So the actress went on um, her Instagram to share a photo of the word with a red line through it, indicating that it no longer represented her experience. Um, she It began in her caption saying, did you know the Indo-European root meaning of the word widow means be empty? be empty. Be, in case you forgot, is a verb, an action word. I have to identify myself with a word that means to stay empty. Mm. No wonder I hate saying the word. I am not glass half empty. I'm not a glass half empty kind of girl. Um, Which is really interesting because I guess I never thought about it in that way. Like, I mean, to to know that word widow, it's just like I've always tied it to, oh, your partner has passed, right? Mm, Um, But I never really thought about the negative kind of connotation yeah connotation of it uh she says i don't know how you go about changing a word but i propose a word that means something more helpful or hopeful a word that gives us strength and power a word that is optimistic in a time when we need it um yeah i mean she said that there is a word um who basically she wants to she kind of has a word in mind, uh, "renovare," from the Latin word meaning to renew or mm. restore. She said, "I'm not sure if this it, if it's the right word, but it sure defines me more than be empty." So here's to my fellow renovar uh, is. I'm, I'm totally saying that wrong. Who are striving every day to renew, reinvent, and fill, refill their cup? Mm. I mean, I guess that's really sweet when you think about it. Because she got a lot of, all of her followers ended up applauding her, um, who are also lost loved ones. Um, One wrote, actually, my husband died in 2019. I don't feel empty. I feel more empowered than ever. I do things I never thought I'd be doing. I just painted my family room. A big thing for me.
2: Mm, Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, having a loss of a child or a partner.
3: Yeah, I know.
2: And... I think that this is a beautiful way to look at that, like a reinvention of that word, because it does have so much um, darkness attached to it. It's also what you make of it, right? Everyone can like reframe that for themselves, but I, I love how that she, she's sharing that with the world and that's probably helping a lot of other people who've gone through those.
3: No, for sure. And that's your tea report I got more coming up next hour. Actually, next hour, find out how you can win your way into Lady Gaga's jazz and piano Las Vegas residency. I'm spilling all the details. Now stick around because we've got
2: David Archuleta joining us to talk about his new single and so much more right after this.
7: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs>
3: Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter.
0: Spring has arrived.
3: we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today.
6: Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
2: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know him as one of the American Idol OGs. He recently released the confessional album Therapy Sessions. And here's a bit of his new single, Movin'. Let's take a listen.
7: Something I'll admit it You tell me you don't want me, but I know Say you don't wanna listen You wouldn't put your number in my phone But it's alright
2: Archuleta, welcome to Let's Go There.
7: Hey, thank you very much. Hi,
3: welcome to the show. Seriously, I was going to start off this segment by singing "Crush" to you because <laughs> it's a bop and I um, love it. Are you kidding me? But we're gonna move forward. We're in the we're in the present. You know, I don't want to go to the past. Uh, but I'm very excited that you're able well, to join right. us. Well,
7: thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I would have been totally fine with you poppin' with Crush. I I, I still love singing that song, so...
2: Yes, you can't get away from it, and, you know, it stands the test of time. Uh, Did you... uh, I have to ask the obvious question. Did you go through lots of therapy to come up with therapy sessions?
7: Yeah, I I mean, I was already going through therapy, so the album was just the result of whatever was coming out of me from my actual therapy sessions. Just all the frustration and the venting and just... uh, yeah, and, and just converted into songs.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is, obviously, uh, this past June, you came out as LGBTQIA+, which, love that you're in the spectrum. Welcome to the family. Um, but I, I wonder, especially during Pride Month, of course, it's such a huge moment, but I I, I would love to know, like, how your definition of even, be, like, having a chosen family, have, did you have people, and have you found kind of your family through this and in, in the sense of like your community that has really helped it you kind of guide maybe through queer spaces and help you even find yourself even more?
7: Um, you know, I think I have come out slowly over the years, first to my family and then to, to friends. And I think I'd, I, I'm i just, I take my time, I'm a slow person. And, and I think it's just important to find a safe place already. So I was very careful about the people I opened up to, but everyone I did um, I felt like i I already had that good support to begin with just at least a small little tiny one within my close family and friends i wasn't I wasn't really planning on coming out on a larger scale about my journey and just not even knowing exactly what my sexuality was mm-hmm. and <laughs> how to define it and describe it, or if I even needed to. Um, But I just couldn't help but feel like, you know what, I know this has been really hard for me trying to figure out, especially like trying to find my place with coming from a very um, conservative and religious background and still considering myself a part of that. And just imagine like I I know how frustrating and lonely it can feel. Mm -hmm. And there's got to be someone else out there who probably Mm -hmm. just needs to know that they're not alone and I don't know who they are and how to reach them. So I just, I just felt like, you know, I have to, even though I feel uncomfortable cause I do like to keep to myself, but I think in the process of the opening up to everyone else, it was relieving because I see how, why it's like that. you know, people describe it as coming out because it is relieving cause you don't feel like you have to hide something anymore. Cause you're it's like, I don't want to make other people uncomfortable of sharing this part of me because other people don't understand it. But I felt like there was just a freedom of, like, saying, you know what, I don't have to worry about that anymore, and I don't have to worry what people – might think of me or, like, be suspicious of it or anything anymore because it's already out there in the front.
3: Well, the hope is to really live in a world where coming out is no longer Mm -hmm. a thing because from my perspective, I've always considered coming out to be a little bit oppressive because you shouldn't have to walk into the room and then feel like you have to explain yourself and your existence. You should just be able to be allowed to exist, right? And um, I think you doing your journey in the way that you need to do it is a perfect example of how you can be that representation for so many others that you're you're talking about because you're showing it you're doing it you're walking that path
7: thank you thank you uh, yeah I, I that's that's the goal right I I can't remember the name of the NFL player who who also came out um, about with his post in June as well and he, I, he just him saying that. He's like, hopefully he said, I'm doing this because with the hopes that hopefully someday this won't have to be a thing anymore where you need to come out and it doesn't have to be. He's like, Cause he's like, you know, I don't want to make a, a deal out of it or like an announcement, but the goal is so that we can make space and room so that this doesn't need to happen. And that's my hope as well, that it can be something that people can understand and not be so afraid of <laughs> and that there'll be enough understanding, compassion and, and just, to, you know, I, it, it won't be so confusing to people who don't go through it. Um, and hopefully by being more having more open conversations about it and the experience will, will lead to that place.
2: Definitely. Well, that's what we do here. So we appreciate you for hanging out with us today. You talked about your decision to come out. So, like, how did you feel on the other side of that? Or do you feel like you finally let go of that burden? And what's on the other side of that for you?
7: Well, I, I just felt like it's like, oh, you can kind of you just have like a weight off of your shoulders, you know, not feeling like you have to be like, oh, what happened? You know, it, and I think also the a big relief was just I, I didn't know how people were going to respond. I was like, I, I'm coming at this at a strange angle. I don't know <laughs> if people are going to be upset with me or but I was surprised at how supportive people were with front, from the lgbtqia+ community and also the my my, my church community and mm-hmm. and and the religious community in general i wasn't expecting them to be so loving and supportive and willing to learn and i felt like that just spoke volumes in the progress that has been made even just in the last few years cuz I feel like if I had even opened up a few years ago, it would have, it wouldn't have been this kind of response, but I just feel like it shows that people are ready to continue learning and understanding where people whose sexuality isn't just the general standard of heterosexual to know that that's actually a thing that people that they, they that's how they experience life. And, yeah. and um, to be open to to hear what that is like and, to make room for them and for room for them to be heard and I was just so grateful because I know that hasn't that's just not how it's always been, you know, even in, in a, a decade, a decade ago.
3: Yeah, and David I'm saying that right. decade <laughs> <laughs> Hi. You're you're from, are you live you're in Nashville, right? I am. I'm so. I'm from Nashville. I was raised there, and oh, wow. I know I have the same similar story when it comes to being raised very religious, and then handling mm-hmm. and and just kind of trying to find myself, and and also still have some sort of connection spiritual with spirituality, and and relearning a lot of the things that I was taught that could have been harmful t- for my growth as identity wise, and I, I wonder. Is, that a, is was that kind of really the moment for you where you were just like I want to do this but my like religion tells me otherwise and and then when you did kind of come out you were like wow that this is this is a really beautiful moment to see people on the Christian side or whatever religion you you are connected to really accept you in that way how how much did religion really kind of play into you coming out?
7: Yeah, so I'm, I'm a Latter Day Saint Church of Jesus Christ. Latter Day Saints, aka the Mormons, and so there was already a lot of history. Be- like they'd, the the church, my church had already been in a lot of the news and had already had a reputation on how you know with its views on marriage strictly being a, a man and a woman and relationships and and the to- how the church culture looked at that as a whole. And so I was just like, what are they going to think? I mean, not just the I feel like I'm able, I was just like, what does God think of me? Like, what is he going to think of me in this? But I think when I, it brought me really close and like, really like starving, desperate Uh to be like, God, if you don't want me to be like this, then I don't want to, I don't want to be a way that's going to keep me from, from you. And so please like help me. Like you can change, you can change. Change water into wine and, and a lot of other things. You can move mountains, so please take this flaw from me. And yeah. that's when he said David like he, I finally could hear him just like so peacefully and still and he just said, David, but but clearly he said this. He's like David, you need to stop asking me this.
3: Oh See, that's real. And I think I think that's why it's so important to hear um, about spirituality, especially coming from just people in this community, because I think oftentimes there's such a resentment to it where it's just like, no, we can have this duality about us where we still feel immersed in religion and find ourselves even more in religion while also loving who we are at a 100 percent. And I think that's super powerful. But I want to kind of keep moving the conversation forward because we got to talk about your new single, "Moving." What's up? Tell us more about it. We played a little bit about it. It, it sounds amazing. You know, your voice it's has fun. always been great. It's great. a lot of fun.
7: Thank you. Yeah, I. You know, I'm I'm a very indecisive person. I I couldn't make up my mind, so I, I released two versions of it. There's a "Moving" and then there's "Moving After Hours," <laughs>
0: okay. and
7: I I, oh. I I just wanted to have fun. I, Last year was kind of heavy. I released a therapy session about therapy. And so this year I was like, you know, I just want to help feel a little more lighthearted. <laughs> 2020 was a year, a heavy year in general for everybody. So let's just have a good time. And so I was like, let's just get a song that gets people moving. <laughs> I learned choreography and everything for the, for the videos. So I was just like, let's just, just about going out of my comfort zone and trying something new.
3: Yes, love I hope, that. I hope they play it at play. It's the play is the the, the gay club in Nashville. It's super popular. Oh, it's
2: okay.
7: Amazing.
2: Oh, <laughs> we gotta get it there. Get
7: people moving. How, how do you
2: think your spirituality or this? I mean, this truth version of you and going outside your comfort zone is going to impact your music and what you take on moving forward?
7: Um, I, I feel like, if anything, it's just continuing on the same path. That it's been, because it's just always been a, such a, an important part of what I do. Like for me, music is spiritual. It it, it kind of lifts me up. It's like when I'm singing, it's, just, it's almost like a piece of, if I don't not understand how to connect with God and stuff, I, I start singing and there he is. Like I feel him and it just makes sense all of a sudden. And I don't know why but I just feel that connection to him. And so I, f- I feel like if anything, he's just helping me progress further and being honest with myself in every aspect, including with my sexuality and my attractions to other people is just part of the process because God is truth and truth. And so I think it's just another way to continue forward um, connecting with him and uh, helping other people f- connect with him. That's, that's really the goal. So, oh, you know, I, I always tell people I don't have the answers to everything. But I guess I don't need to as long as people are willing to walk along with you and learn along the journey.
2: You got to start your own church, David.
7: <laughs> oh no! You know, what's interesting is I feel like you know I've I got to talk with one of the higher up leaders in my church, and we just had an honest conversation. I think it was just I thought it was so beneficial because he was able to ask me questions. And just kind of take it because he had his ideas of like, well, this is what it means to be gay and this is why you become gay and stuff. And I was able to just, he just asked me very candidly, like, Hey, was this like, were you, uh, I don't know. And I just said, no, like, (laughs) I tried for like 20 years to try and choose something else to try and be something. I tried to make relationships work with girls and I found great girls. And (laughs) I just said this, there was too much resentment, mm-hmm. anger, and I didn't understand why until I realized I had to be honest with myself. And I, I think he, it made me realize, because at the end he just said, well, well keep me posted on what you learn," Because I, I think, it, I realized how important it is to keep the conversation going and not be afraid, not to run it, because it's very easy, like it's very uncomfortable yep. to talk about sexuality in religion and in church and stuff. But I realized how important it is because we've avoided it too long, which is why it's gotten to how it is. And there's why there's so much lack of understanding.
2: Well, so David, I'm like, hmm. yeah, we are amazing. I, I got to say,
3: <laughs> you were exactly everything that I, I thought you were going to be. And that, you know, we've interviewed a lot of people and I'm very honest about people I hate. And I really like you. <laughs> you got on his <laughs> like list. Congratulations. No, it, that's a really big deal. You're very welcome, by the way. <laughs> Oh, oh, thank
2: you. (laughs) It's worth more than a Grammy. Uh, Well, David Archuleta, thank you again. And I really hope uh, you continue this journey and keep sharing it with everyone else because it makes a difference. Uh, Again, check out his album, Therapy Sessions, the new single, Move In. It's out everywhere. David Archuleta, thank you again. You're always welcome back.
7: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.